series called Hashtag Blessed. And um, how many want to be blessed? I want to be blessed. No, nobody likes not to be blessed. And uh, so I want to start with this scripture today, Acts 20, 35. It says, remember the words of the Lord Jesus, how he, he himself said, it is more blessed to give than to receive. Let's pray. Father, I just thank you today, Father, that we want to be a house of givers. Father, we want to give to this community. Everywhere we go, I want them to say, here comes that Triumph Church, Father. They're coming to bless this city again. Here comes Triumph Church. They're bringing blessings for the poor again. Father, here comes Triumph Church. They're wanting to do something to bless someone again. Let us be known as a house that blesses people, Father. What you want to do in a church, do it in this church, Father. What you want to do in a people, do it in our people, Jesus. And what you want to do in a pastor, do it in me. We welcome your Holy Spirit to rule and to reign this service today, Father. I am but your vessel. Speak through me and speak to your people today. In your name we pray. Amen. Well, Jesus himself said, it is more blessed to give than to receive. This word blessed in the Greek means makarios. You know what makarios means? Happy. How many of y'all want to be happy? Don't look at me, oh, he's going to talk about giving today. <laughs> I'm going to talk about being happy today, being blessed. I'm going to talk about the grace of God on your life today. So, so don't shut me out already, okay? But bless means to make holy, to consecrate. And it also means endowed with divine favor and protection. How many of you want that on your life? I want divine favor and protection over me everywhere that I go. I want to live a blessed life. I want to live a happy life. And uh, I'm happy. <laughs> I want, you know, who's that little guy? Just do that little dance. I want to live a happy life. And uh, so if you'll turn with me to Luke 19, 1 through 10 today, and you can also turn to your Bibles and uh, you can use your little stringy dillies here and turn to 2 Corinthians 8 and 9. We're going to be using that also. You can put your little stringy dilly there. Uh, Robert Morris of Gateway says the Greek for that is stringos dilos. And uh, you can mark it in your Bible. And uh, I always thought that was funny. But we are most like God when we are giving. And I want to prove this to you today. In Luke 19, 1 through 10, it says, He entered Jericho and was passing through. And behold, there was a man named Zacchaeus. He was a chief tax collector. And he was rich. And he was seeking to see who Jesus was. But on account of the crowd, he could not see. Because he was a wee little man, and a wee little man was he. So he ran on ahead and climbed up into a sycamore tree for the Lord he wanted to see. <laughs> Y'all remember singing that, singing that as kids? We're going to talk about Zacchaeus' blessing today. For the Lord was about to pass by that way, and when Jesus came to that place, he looked up and he said to him, Zacchaeus, hurry and come down, for I'm going to your house today. For I'm going to your house today. Sing it with me. No, I'm joking. <laughs> and so Zacchaeus hurried up and he came down and... Um, 
he received him joyfully. And when they saw it, they all grumbled. And they said, he has gone in to be the guest of a man who is a sinner. Oh, my goodness. And Zacchaeus stood and said to the Lord, Behold, Lord, the half of my goods I give to the poor. And if I have defrauded anyone of anything, I restore it fourfold. And Jesus said to him these words, Today salvation has come to this house, since he also is the son of Abraham. For the son of man came to seek and to save the lost. Now I want you to notice, he didn't just say, Today salvation has come to Zacchaeus. See, Zacchaeus did a couple things here. He immediately got kingdom revelation when he met Jesus. And when Jesus, he met Jesus, Jesus automatically gave him a kingdom revelation that there's something more important than himself. And he tells Jesus, when Jesus comes in his house, he said, I just gave my servants orders. They're, they're, I just gave away half of my stuff to the poor. Now, it, it says half of his stuff. That means he gave away half of his property, gave half, half of his riches, half of his checking account, half of everything he owned, he went and gave it to the poor. And then he told Jesus on top of that, he said, something's happened to me. I just gave, I just told my guys that anybody I've robbed or done wrong to, I'm going to restore it four times, fourfold to their account. And this guy's a tax collector. He's not an honest guy. I'm sure there's lots of, I'm sure it took a while to go through the list to, to find everybody he defrauded. But there, some kind of kingdom revelation happened to Zacchaeus in this moment. And because of his revelation and because of his act of wanting to do something bigger and better because of his revelation now of who Jesus is, Jesus says not only has salvation come to Zacchaeus, but salvation has come to his house. Something happens Something happens when we're obedient to God. Something happens when we walk in faith and we do what he's called us to do. And so this also affects his whole house. And Zacchaeus has made two statements here. Half of my goods, my possessions, my property. This is the action of giving. This is one thing we want to talk about today is the action of giving. There's two points I have. The action of giving and the, and the attitude of giving. And so this this is the action Zacchaeus has, and this action brings salvation to his whole house. And then if you look at the second point, he says, I'm going to restore everything that I've stolen, everyone I've done wrong to, I'm going to restore it fourfold. This reveals the attitude of his heart. He says, not only, not only am I going to be a giver, but I want total forgiveness for what I've done. I want to I set a new standard in my life and in my house of how I live, how I act, and how I move. Because Zacchaeus gets a kingdom principle revealed to him the minute he meets Jesus. You know, I love grammar in life. Ain't that good? Y'all didn't catch that or what? But I do, I do love grammar. I actually studied English and history uh, in college, and um, history was going to be my major. I was going to minor in English, and then I went to Bible school because God told me to do that. And so, in English, in order to have a complete sentence, 
you have to have a subject and a verb. Now, you can have an exclamatory sentence, which is like, wow. I can say that backwards. Wow. But in order to have a complete, a complete sentence, you have to have a subject and a verb, and, you know, like Josh ran. Or you, have to, you can, you know, add prepositional phrases, and you can do a lot of other stuff to your sentence, like Josh ran to the store to get a carton of milk. Or Josh ran to the store to get some ingredients for Sophia cheesecake to bring it so Pastor Ryan could eat it. And uh, Sammy. And so there's lots of stuff you can do with the sentence. But I want to talk about today the, the subject and what I believe the verb of the Bible is. Now, first of all, I believe the subject of our Bible is God. Y'all agree? First, first chapter in Genesis, in the beginning, was God. Okay, last chapter in Revelation, it says that, you know, blessings be to the, the church of the Lord Jesus Christ. And so, it starts with God, and it ends with God. The whole book, from cover to cover, the subject is God. Now, the object of our Bible, thank the Lord, is us. That's the object. But what is the verb? What do you think the verb is? Love. That would be the most common, that, that would be the verb that everyone would say, but I tend to disagree. I think love is, is a good answer. I don't think it is the answer. Because in, in the most popular scripture in the whole Bible, it says, for God so loved that he, so I think gave is actually the verb that would be, we'd be looking for that covers the Bible from start to finish. It's all about giving. I can prove that to you today. Uh, why are we in church today? Because God gave us Jesus. And Jesus gave his life for us. And we gave our lives to him. And in fact, this morning, you're giving your time to be with God in this house today. So it's all about giving. And if you don't believe me, we can look at marriage. What is marriage? A good marriage is all about giving. A good marriage is, uh, is life between two givers. They're constantly giving. If you don't believe me, get married. <laughs> it's about giving <laughs> and uh, about stretching and a couple other things. But uh, so it's about, it's all about giving. We give our lives, we give, our, we give everything to Jesus, and yes, it includes our money. It's about giving. And so in the Sermon on the Mount in Matthew 6, 19 through 21, Jesus says something very interesting. He says, do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth, where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal or tax collectors, but lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven. Where neither moth nor rust destroy, and where thieves do not break in still. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. I thought this was very interesting. He said, but lay up for yourself treasures in heaven. Isn't that interesting? For yourself. He doesn't say lay up treasures in heaven for me. He doesn't say, well, you know, we need, we need some more gold to pave our roads up here this week. Send us some. It doesn't say that. It doesn't, God doesn't need our, our money. God doesn't need our finances. It says, 
lay up treasure in heaven for who? Your, yourself. Exactly. So maybe Jesus has given us a revelation here that we're going to need it. Maybe we're going to do more than just twiddle our thumbs all day. Maybe we're going to need some treasure to do some stuff in heaven. Maybe, maybe we need to do something. You know, it's kind of like this. You decide that you're going to move out of your house. Me and Pastor Jennifer just moved our second big truck out of our house because we sold it, praise the Lord. And um, so we sold our house, went and got the rest of our things, put them in storage. And so we're getting stuff, you know, and I have this real pretty hutch. It's just gorgeous that my grandmother gave me. Uh, I inherited it from her when she passed away. And so it means a lot to me. And I love this hutch. And I didn't tell the movers when they were there, hey, guys, this hutch means a lot to me. This hutch is priceless. It's worth tons and tons of money. So I just want you to leave it right here. Don't take it ahead. Just, just leave it right here. I'm going to leave that hutch right here because I don't want it to get broken. I don't want it to get scratched. And, and I just, you know, I, I don't want to take it with me to where I'm going. I'm just going to leave it right here. So don't touch it. Everything else can go, but I, I want to leave this here. Well, that's kind of like what we do with our treasure. God, I don't want to give them to you. I don't want to send them ahead where I might need them. We're going to leave them right here. And I'm afraid what's going to happen is one day we're going to get to heaven and we're going to look back and say, you know, wow, I left so much behind. There were so many things in my life I just left behind. I didn't send them ahead. I didn't send them to where I was moving. I didn't send them where I was going. I just decided, you know what? I'm just going to leave them right there. So many times in life, that's what we do. And, um, and then he says another key at the end of this, this scripture. He says, for where your treasure is, your heart will be also. And, and treasure means property. It means anything in your life that you value. You know, so many times in, in life, I, I've heard this misquoted by pastors. Like, they, they say, where your heart is, your treasure will be also. And that's not correct. That's not what Jesus said here. He didn't say, where your heart is, your treasure will be. He said, where your treasure is, your heart will be. And so we have to, we have to think about that statement. Uh, you say, well, pastor, I don't have a heart for children's ministry. Well, put some treasure in it. Pastor, I don't have a heart for the kingdom of God. Put some treasure in the kingdom of God. See if your heart don't follow. And if you don't believe me, look at this example. I dare you. Go buy five, ten thousand dollars worth of stock and never check it. See if that happens. It won't. You know why? I know my grandma had two hundred and something thousand dollars worth of Walmart stock. And every morning she'd wake up. First thing she did, she'd check her stock. Because her heart was there. Because that's where her treasure was. Jesus didn't say where your heart is, there your treasure will be. He said where your treasure is, there your heart's going to be. He unlocked a key here. We, we misquote it so many times. It's been, you know, your heart follows your treasure. It's just how it works. You want, treasure, you want, you want your heart to be somebody, somewhere? Put your treasure there. That's why we give our wives these rings, you know, with the big diamonds in them. Because where our treasure is is where our heart is, guys. Valentine's Day is coming up. You're starting to fall out of love with your wife. Put some treasure back in her life. Your heart will follow. Oh, it got quiet in here. Oh, touched a nerve. 
not preaching money today for me. The only reason I preach about finance is the same reason I preach, I preach about prayer, same reason I preach about fasting, the same reason I preach about marriage or any other subject. I preach about it for you, not for me. This is for your benefit today. I just don't want one day you get up there and say, man, wow, I wish Pastor Ryan would tell me I need to send some treasure ahead. Because these guys got all kinds of stuff, and I'm just sitting here. It looks like I just got my first apartment. It's empty. <laughs> so Zacchaeus unlocks the action of giving, and he unlocks the attitude of giving. And he makes a statement in Luke 19.6. It says, he hurried up and he came down and he received him joyfully. Look at how he received joy, Jesus. He, he received him joyfully. Matthew 10.8b says, freely you have received, freely give. Zacchaeus is excited about giving. Why? He's excited about giving because he received freely. Some of us have, have problems with giving and but we also have problems of receiving. And, and a lot of us come from legalistic church backgrounds, and we wonder why we have problems with grace and, and with forgiveness and with receiving God's forgiveness for our life. A lot of us wonder why we fight the same things after we're saved that we've always fought our whole entire life, and it's because we don't know how to release it or to let it go or to forget about it because, because we, don't know how to, we don't know how to give. The root word of forgive is give. And so for means forgiving. Just like get means the root word of forget is forgetting. And the only way you can be forgiven is to be forgiving. And the only way you can forget stuff that's happened in your past is to be forgetting the blessings of God in your life. Does that make sense? God wants to give you some stuff, but you've got to be forgiving in order to get it. Jesus actually goes into a scripture, and, and he's talking about the field, and I'm, I'm going to scroll down there real quick. And um, in Matthew 7, 1, he says, Judge not that you be not judged, for with what judgment you judge, you will be judged, and with the measure you use, it will be measured back to you. Then Luke 6, 37 through 38 says, Judge not and you shall not be judged. Condemn not, and you shall not be condemned. Forgive, and you will be forgiven. Give, and it will be given to you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over will be put into your bosom. For with the same measure that you use, it will be measured back to you. So in other words, we take that scripture so out of context, for the, with the same measure that you use, it will be measured back to you. It's not just talking about giving. It's the same the same amount that you judge somebody, same amount you'll be judged. The same amount you condemn somebody, the same amount you'll be condemned. The same amount you forgive somebody, same amount you'll be forgiven. This is actually, when we, we think about the good measure, press down, shaking together, this is old farmer technology in, in talk here. Now, in the, you got to understand Jewish, Jewish talk. Okay, in the Jewish days, in the biblical days, they would, they'd have these fields, and in the center of the fields were the workers. And they would fill up, their, the harvest time, they'd fill up their basket. But they were workers, they were getting paid to do a job, so they didn't fill up their basket too full. They'd just take their basket, 
when it was just, you know, starting to get a little heavy, and they'd take and go, go empty it in the cart because they, everything that was in the field belonged to the owner, and they were getting paid by the hour to do a job. But the guys on the corners of the field that were gleaming in the fields, they were the poor and the beggars. They allowed the poor and the beggars to come to the corners of the field and to gleam off of the leftovers. And so they were allowed one basket. So they'd bring the basket, and they'd bring the basket to the corner of the field, and they'd put their stuff in there, and they'd fill it up to the top, and then they'd press it down. Then they'd put a little bit more in there, and they'd shake it together to make more room, and they'd put a little bit more in there, and they'd keep filling it up till it was running over. Press down, shaking together, and running over is what God wants for your life. See, he doesn't want you just to be a worker. There's something about, about what the way the beggars did it, the way the poor did it. They, they had something. They wanted their basket so full it was heavy they could just barely, barely carry it because they were going to carry away everything that they could get out of the corner of that field because they wanted it really bad, and they needed it really bad. There's something about needing the blessings of God on your life, needing, needing and wanting what God has for your life that causes... That when you start saying, God, give me some more. I'm a, give me some more. I'll press it down. Give me some more, Father. I'll shake my basket up a little bit. Give me some more, Father. Let it run over and just let it flow out of me. And let it just flow all over the ground. And I don't care if it spills while I'm carrying it. I'll take everything that you've got. But there's something that comes from, see, Zacchaeus was just a little bit desperate. So he climbed up in that sycamore tree. Because for the Lord, he wanted to see. How bad do you want to see God in your life? How bad do you want forgiveness in your life? It's, it was a heart issue. Zacchaeus had, a, it was an attitude issue. Zacchaeus had some keys that unlocked some stuff that God had for him. In 2 Corinthians 8 and 9, Paul's talking about giving, but he's actually talking about grace alongside of giving. He does such a beautiful job talking about it. In the first letter, Paul writes to the church at Corinth. He's writing to them, and he says, Am I the only person that goes to war at his own expense? He says, You have not supported the ministry, and this is not right. Paul's saying, Am I the only man in the world that goes to war at his own expense? Come on, guys, y'all made a commitment to me. Well, where, where's the finances at that you promised me is what Paul's telling the church of Corinth. And so they write back and they say, hey, man, we're in a recession. Things are hard right now. And so Paul writes back to them and says, okay, well, Macedonia is in a greater recession, and they are freely giving as they promised. Read these passages. You'll see what I'm talking about. Paul says that you, in, the, in this book that you need to see the grace of God that has given you when you walk through something. And, and the grace, it's God's grace that makes you a giver. So in 2 Corinthians 8, 7, he says, But as you abound in everything, in faith, in speech, in knowledge, in all diligence, and also in your love for us, see that you abound in this grace also. In this grace also, he's talking about the grace of giving. He's talking about giving right here. We don't give because of law. We don't give because of compulsion. 
I don't want you to ever give because I get up here and say, I need you to give. It's not what I'm about. I'm not talking about those things. I'm not talking about trying to get money from you right now. I'm talking about how to bless your life, how to live a happy life, how to live a blessed life. You see, and, and this, is, this is the deal. We don't give just because God set a law. Let me, let me explain something to you here, okay? I could, there's a law that says I shouldn't commit adultery. But I don't walk up to my wife and say, hey, babe, I don't commit adultery because God's law. She's going to look at me and say, what are you talking about? Oh, you know, I want to. But I just don't, I just don't, I just don't do it because it's God's law. I'm being real with you. So I, if I walked up and said that to her, I'd get a frying pan over the head. I want to commit adultery, but it's, you know, God's law. And, and so I want to encourage you today, don't give because it's law. What, I, I tell my wife, you don't have to worry about me committing adultery because you are my life. I love you. I adore you. I'm, baby, you're the most beautiful thing I've ever seen in my life. Woo, you're good looking. Come sit next to Papa. And that is really what God wants out of our giving. He doesn't want you giving because it's law. He wants you to say, God, I love you with all of my heart. And yes, I know it's your law, and I'm not doing it because of that. I'm doing it because I am free. I freely receive. I freely give. I have been set free. My life is good. Thank you for your favor. Thank you for your grace. I'm giving to you because I know your word cannot come back void. I'm giving you today because I know I'm the head and not the tail. I'm the beginning and not the end. I'm above and not beneath. I walk with the devil under my feet. I obey all of his laws, all of his statutes, not because they're the law, but because I love him. I adore him. I want more of him. There's something about walking in covenant with God. You say, well, you know, I'm saved, but I just don't ever see anything the way it should be, Pastor. And I say, well, do, are you walking in the full covenant of God? Are you walking in His full umbrella? Are you walking in His full grace? Second Corinthians 9, 7-8, through 8, it says, So let each one of us, as he purposed in his heart, not grudgingly, or of necessity, for God loves a cheerful giver. Now this word cheerful, if you translate it to the Greek also, also means hilarious. God doesn't just love a cheerful giver. He loves a hilarious giver. Has God ever told you to give something and you just thought, man, this is really hilarious because I ain't got it. I'm telling you, it says he wants you to do this because he's able to make all grace abound towards you having all sufficiency and all good things, and may have an abundance for every good work. God wants you to be blessed. He wants you to have all these things. But in order for, for you to truly be forgiven, you got to be forgiving. To truly walk in His statutes and to walk in His grace. Giving and grace. God never, God never makes you do something He doesn't give you a grace to do. He'll give you a grace. Pray, God, give me a grace. If you want to be kingdom mindset, 
Have some treasure in the kingdom. Have some treasure. You want to say, God, I want to follow your statutes more. I want, I want a new revelation of who you are. I want you to speak to me like you do, Pastor Ryan. Put some treasure in the kingdom. See what happens. See if your heart doesn't go there. See if there's not a paradigm shift in the way you think, in the way you live, and the way you move. You'll be up here helping clean this place because this is where your treasure is. You ask Ray and Deanne, can I help in the children's ministry? Because I just put, I just sold some money and some new TVs in there. I just, I just put some treasure in there this week. Hilarious gift. God has challenged me so many times to give money that I did not have. And I'm not even taking up an offering after this message today because this it's not what this is about. This is for you today. But God has challenged me so many times to give at church. We've been doing building programs. We've been doing stuff. And, man, I was just a 16-year-old kid, and I'd be, I'd be giving my life savings. I had saved up for a car, and all of a sudden, I, all of a sudden I'd have more money than I ever thought about sitting in a bank account. Stuff would just happen. I talked to a guy today. I, we were talking in the car on the way home. about. He was talking to me about how God... He started tithing last year, and, 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 and God, he just started following God's principles in his life. And we're talking about in the car on the way home from a security meeting yesterday. And he said, Pastor Ryan, I got home last He came to me this morning and said, I got home last night. There was $500 in my mailbox from something I did a long time ago, and I didn't even know it was coming. Just showed up. Let me tell you what, I wa- I've seen this work in my life time after time after time. Me and Pastor Jennifer, we're getting, we'd uh, bought some property out in LaBelle, right by my parents in the Beaumont area. And uh, we're wanting to build the house, but we need to wait a little while. We need somewhere to, we need to get out there and live and sell our other house. So we sell our house, and I buy this mobile home for $16,000. Imagine what that looked like. She's a great lady. She follows me everywhere and doesn't question my decisions. And uh, it was a flood victim mobile home kind of deal. And so we buy it. And there's a, we're going to build us a house behind it. God says, don't build a house right now. I said, okay, Lord. Well, there's a house right next to our property. It ties to our property with more property that's for sale, but it's only a two-bedroom. And God tells me, buy that house. I'm like, what, God? I said, buy that house. So that house ain't got but two bedrooms. So I called my realtor. I said, I'm going to go look at it anyway. I'm not, I'm not t- saying I'm going to do it, God, but I'm going to go call anyway. So I call and I walk through it. My buddy Barney said, Ryan, they're asking 140 for the house. I said, well, God told me to buy it, I believe. I said, uh, he told me not to pay over 85 for it. I told him I'll give him 80. And so he calls them. He said, they laughed at you. I said, that's okay. And so we go through this for about six months. When you're believing for something, don't just believe. Take steps above and beyond. I drew all the blueprints of how I was going to remodel the house. Drew, drew a blueprint of how we were going to add on to the back of the house. And I drew up like 1,600 square feet on the back of this house. I'm going to make it big enough. It ties with my land. It all works out. And uh, for six to eight months go by, 12 months go by, for sale sign turns to soul. So I see a guy walking through the yard. I walk over there talking. to him. how you doing? I'm Ron Olivier. I'm your neighbor. I said, nice to meet you. So what you do? I said, I'm a pastor. And uh, he says, oh, that's great. He goes, uh, I heard you wanted to buy this house. I said, yeah. He said, well, I'll sell it to you for 110. I said, no, God told me to buy it, not to pay over 85, and that's what will happen. I said, have you even looked at this house? You know, there's termites in the back corner on this corner. There's this, this, and this. He said, he said, yeah. He said, I'm fine. I'll fix up houses and sell them. I said, oh, whatever. I said, God told me it was mine. Have fun with it. So I walk back to my trailer. I walk up the steps, and, 
<laughs> he's probably thinking, this guy is Looney Tunes. But that's the kind of faith I had. Walk up the steps of my trailer, and uh, she said, I guess the house wasn't meant to be or something. I said, that's what I told Jen. I said, but I'm not losing faith. I know what God told me. And uh, two days later, that realtor calls me. He says, Pastor Ryan, he goes, I know you wanted to buy this house, but she goes, look, here's the deal. I'll let you buy the house to the other guy. His deal fell through. Last money, last, last minute, the, the thing he was cashing in, he couldn't cash it in without paying too big of a penalty, so it fell through. He already had it worked out, and for some reason, his investment banker, two days later, calls him and says, it won't work. We can't make it work. And so the whole deal falls through. I said, well, that sounds like God to me. And uh, she goes, well, you need to offer. He, he was paying 97 for the house. You need to offer a little more money. And, um, but you also need to uh, cut your realtor out of the deal. Go straight to me. So I get all, all the realtor fees. Because if you don't do that, I guarantee you won't get the house. I said, let me tell you something you don't know about me. Is I'm a man of honor. I'm a man of favor. I'm a man of grace. And the last thing I'm going to do is something that's non-integrity. And I took and I, walked, I hung up the phone on her. I called my realtor and told him what she said. I said, Barney, I'm not going to put up with this. I said, you call him, you tell him I will, I'll give him $80,000 for that house again and tell him, tell him the tables, the deal's off the table tomorrow and they can eat it. Next day they called me and said, Mr. Olivier, they counteroffered at eighty five. If you want the house, you can have it. I bought it for $85,000. Now, I buy the house. I've got, ten, I've got to come up with $10,000 in 10 days and I just bought property in a mobile home next door. And miracles happened. And before you know it, I got $10,000. I sign and I close on that house. So I walk in this house. It's two bedrooms. I got 1,600 square foot drawn up on the back. I just did a conventional loan. There's no way they're going to let me do a home improvement loan. I got this house that's not big enough, and I can't even live in it because it's got major flaws. So I just start doing work. I said, God, you told me what you told me, and I'm going to do it. So 10 days after I bought the house, a hurricane hit. I had insurance. <laughs> Let me tell you what, that patio I was going to rip off and add onto the back, it was gone in the neighbor's yard. <laughs> that garage door that was kind of bent that needed to be replaced, it was history. <laughs> the sheetrock that was cracked, cracked in the garage, along with the roof, was on the ground in the front yard. The guy walks through the house and says, well, it's going to be a couple weeks where I can get you a check. He said, I said, well, look, I want to tell you, I was already ripping some paneling out of here. I'd already sanded the sheetrock. I was redoing all that anyway. I want to be honest with you. He goes, was that crack right there? I said, no, sir. He said, I got to pay you for it. He said, uh, because of that crack, I'm going to have to pay you to paint it and texture it all anyway. And he just goes through and through. There's an old storage building in the backyard, a 12 by 20 storage building. It was almost falling down. I told the guy, I said, that storage building's almost falling down. He said, could you put your stuff in it? I said, yeah. He said, I'm giving you $12,000 for that building alone. And he wrote me a check for about $60,000. But wait, wait, wait. He gets better than that. Then that mobile home that had damage from the hurricane too, I paid $16,000 for. The insurance adjuster permit called me and said, I'll meet you at your house at about 2 o'clock today. I said, okay, well, i got a church thing going on. Call me, and I'll leave it. So I'm at the church doing growth track in Nader. 
my phone never rings. I pull into my trailer about 5 o'clock, and he's waiting to get in the inside, and he's mad. He's like, I've been here since 2 o'clock. Where are you at? I said, you told me you were going to call me on the way there. He said, well, I lost your number. He said, look, I am running late for a flight. I ain't got time. I done done the outside. I said, look, there's some stuff damaged on the outside array. You know? He said, mister, I don't have time for you to tell me anything. I need to look at the inside of your trailer. I'm going to go to my car. I'm going to write you a check, and i got a plane to be on in Houston in, in two, and, two and a quarter hours. He said, so, so take me through your house and show me what was damaged by the hurricane. I don't even care about the rest. I took him through there. He went back to his car, and he brought me a check, and he handed it to me for $25,000. Now, I want to tell you, when there is something about a cheerful giver, let me tell you where the cheerful and the hilarious comes in, is when you walk over to your mama's house next door where your wife is at, and you start jumping up and down and say, baby, that crazy man just gave me $25,000 for a $16,000 mobile home. That is divine favor, and that is divine grace. The grace that Paul talks about in your life. And let me tell you, when I got through at that house, it, was, it went from being like 1,700 square feet to 2,800 and something square feet with a theater room, step-down seating paid for by insurance with a projector, 123-inch TV, all wood flooring, a game room, five bedrooms, three bathrooms instead of two bedrooms and two bathrooms. Exactly what we wanted and always dreamed of. Because when you give, you cannot outgive God. There's something about walking in His favor and a walking in His grace. And the minute you meet God like Zacchaeus met God, and you get a perspective of how the kingdom of God works in your life, it changes everything. There's something about giving and there's something about grace that go hand in hand. And you realize the grace of God is to forgive you. It's to forgive you. But you've got to forgive others. Think about it. Forgive. I'm forgiving them grace also. Just like Jesus showed it to me. I'm forgiving them a second chance. I'm forgiving them another opportunity. Because that's what Jesus did for me. Give grace, give love. It's not just about money. Give love, give everywhere you go. Buy you some McDonald's gift cards. Keep them in your car. Somebody's sitting underneath the bridge that needs something to eat. Don't give them cash. They're going to go buy drugs or something stupid half the time. Give them, give them a food. Take care of them. Say, Jesus loves you. Come see me at church Sunday morning. I don't care who sits in this congregation. If they're lost and need Jesus, I want them to find him. It's about the grace of God. Let's bow our heads today. Father, I just thank you for today. I thank you, Father, for your grace that you've shown us and how you've forgiven us in every area of our life, Father. Father, I thank you today for the supernatural favor upon each and every person in this place today, Father. The supernatural things start happening in their life. The more they give to you, Father, the more they forgive others, Father. The more they unlock the things in, in their lives that you've told them to do, Father. And we know it no longer becomes law in their life, Father, but it becomes the grace of God in their life. And it becomes the fact that they do it because they love you. 
because they want more of you. Fill them up and give it to them, Father. Press down, shaken together, and running over. May your abundance be on their lives every day, Father God. Let them walk every day with new stories of what you're doing and how you're doing it, Father, because you are a good, good God. How we love you today, Father. Now, bless them as they go through this week today, Father. We call them blessed. Let your blessings be upon them every step that they take, Father. Let supernatural favor be upon them. Let everyone they come into contact with in this city, let them show them grace, let them show them love, Father, and let them give, Father, to those that are in need of you. And let them be a witness of your testimony in their life, Father. In your name we pray, amen. Today, if you need prayer, I'm going to ask our prayer partners to come down as you stand with me today. If you need prayer, you need God to do something in your life, He wants to touch you today. He wants that same grace to be upon your life today. It's upon every one of his sons and daughters. And he'll do that for you today. All you have to do is ask. It says in Matthew 21, 22, if we ask, we shall receive. And uh, today I'm believing you'll receive. Press down, shaking together and running over. Have a blessed week. If you need-